to cut a whole movie was an insane undertaking when I never did it before. I was very, very discouraged because I kept thinking, oh my God, I made a piece of garbage. All these people trusted me with their money and I delivered a piece of garbage. Jenny, I'm really excited about this episode. We're exploring ground that we haven't really covered thus far. It's about making a film when the subject is no longer alive. Tell us about it. Who do we have on? So this week we have on Pamela Green. She makes movie trailers as her day job, but for the past decade or so on the side, she was making her own feature film. It's her first feature and it did amazingly well. It premiered last year at Cannes and New York Film Fest and BFI, Telluride, among others. And last month, it finally premiered in theaters. Awesome. And so what is this film called and what's it about? Pamela's film is called Be Natural, and it's sort of a historical film, but also kind of an investigative story about one of the first female filmmakers. She's actually thought to be the only female filmmaker for like a decade in the late 1800s named Alice Guy Blachet. And the film is, one, a history of her life and her career, but also an investigation into how she's sort of been written out of history and why so many people, even people in film, have never heard of Alice Guy Blachet. Mm. Hashtag female filmmaker Friday. She was the OG. She was the OG hashtag female, female filmmaker Friday. <laughs> female filmmaker Friday. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, it's a fascinating history and the amount of legwork that Pamela had to do, the amount of research and archival mm. that she had to dig up is impressive. And sounds like it was quite an adventure that was disheartening at times, which I'm sure we can all relate to. Oh, yeah. She definitely goes into that. Yeah, I found it particularly uh, useful and almost comforting the way that she went into how hard it was. Anyone who deals with the creative process experiences those highs and lows. And when they're low, they're really low. You know, it's like, what am I doing? How is this even a story? Maybe I should just abandon ship. And she felt all of that. And yet, in the end, she persisted. She said that she surrounded herself by people who she really vibed with. And 10 years later granted 10 years, but 10 years later, she got it done. Hashtag she persisted. <laughs> no doubt. No, no doubt. doubt. Um, what was your favorite part of the interview? I also loved how candid she was about her darkest moments making this film, which I feel like is creatives we avoid talking about. Mm -hmm. But I also I feel like this interview just has a, a lot of really useful information about how to tell someone's story who is not there to tell their own story or to weigh in on it. Totally. I mean, she was dealing with a lot of challenges with making a film about someone who has been dead for a long time <laughs> whose whose career was uh, more than a century ago totally and where the research is kind of scattered yeah and also just like how do you honor that person's truth like how do you get mm -hmm. as close as possible in terms of accuracy but also tell an interesting story mm -hmm. and being really careful to get the facts straight 
Yeah, so definitely some some lessons. Great stuff in there. Shall we get into it? Let's get into it. This is Pamela Green on Rough Cut. I just kind of wanted to start out talking about the research aspect of this film, Be Natural. It's obviously extremely fact and history heavy. How did you make sure that everything was accurate and that you were portraying Alice Kibliche in an accurate light? And were you ever like worried about that? I'm still worried about it, of course, because um, it's not just about being accurate. You want to represent her the way she would have wanted to be represented. So it's like double whammy of taking on somebody's life, which is a big responsibility. We spend so much time dealing with incorrect information. So you do the best you can. I think one of the reasons why her story wasn't told this way is because of the amount of work that's involved. And it's definitely layers and layers and layers. And sometimes you never think it's going to end. Piles and piles. How did you make sure that everything was accurate? I mean... Were there any like big holes in the stories that you were trying to fill or anything you had like doubts about that you weren't sure you wanted to even like move forward with? Oh, for sure. Um, 1922 on is all new material. So I had to double check that. And there were things that she talked about how Solex was taken over, you know, when they went bankrupt and I wasn't sure about the names 100% and I didn't trust some of the stuff, even though. I'm sure most of the stuff that Alice says it's accurate, but if I didn't have the backup, I just didn't want to do it. And also, I didn't want to get involved in minutiae of taking on stuff that is not only not going to be accurate, wasn't going to move the story forward. So the style of this film, it's very informative, but it's also very short and to the point. So that, you know, the family tree at the beginning, I got a lot of resistance from, you know, collaborators like, why would you put that in there, blah, blah, blah. But it took a long time to make sure those pictures are accurate, so then that's why I use silhouettes. So I worked around some of this stuff through the graphic and animation medium to kind of be accurate, but not exactly. So it kind of lends itself a little bit for the imagination. So that's kind of how I dealt with some of that stuff, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You were working on Be Natural for almost a decade, right? Yes, almost. Why did the film take so long to complete, and how did you stay dedicated to the project throughout that time? How did you stay interested in the story? I wanted to throw it all out. I'm not going to wow. lie. <laughs> it's difficult when you reach a wall where you don't have the funding and it's all this material and it's still not working when I'm cutting it together. The pieces are not falling into place yet. And I just didn't feel that it was compelling enough. And the funding, the funding and the accuracy and translating all these letters that were in French and also to wait for films to get transferred, to be able to include them, to deal with 62 archives around the world, to keep it straight. It's just an endless, endless pile that wasn't going to get smaller. No matter what I did, it didn't seem like the end was near. And even though I was really, like, cutting down the trees, you know, I couldn't see the end of the road. And I wanted to give up. But I had, you know, Joan was there, Cosma came on board. These were people that were my day-to-day 
and they just told me keep going don't give up you know keep going Jody Foster as well so there's a a point where you want to be responsible because people give you the money and if I say I'm going to do something I do it so that's my makeup but if I told you that I didn't want to give up and didn't say that out loud and just turn everything off I'd be lying and that's why the process took a long time because of the accuracy what was was I going to end up with and weaving in the detective story in a way that actually made sense I'm sure that there wasn't just one moment but could you describe one or multiple moments throughout this process where you felt like I just want to give this up it would just be easier to give this up and like what was happening at the time was it a funding issue was it a fact finding issue was it information overload and and how did you get through that it was funding but also the the editing process because most films and mainly documentaries get made in the editing process and um, I never edited before I would give direction in my day job because I do opening credits for films and I've done a lot of editorial pieces for the Critics' Choice Awards, MTV Awards, etc. I gave direction, time code, shot per shot. I would pick all the shots. That I could do, but to cut a whole movie was an insane undertaking when I never did it before. Uh, I was very, very discouraged because I kept thinking, oh my God, I made a piece of garbage. All these people trusted me with their money and I delivered a piece of garbage. And the discouragement from the industry, what are you doing? What do you know about funding? What do you know about creative directing? You know, have you seen this documentary? They do it this way. Don't do it that way. You know, how are you going to get the money? Did you go to film school? (laughs) (laughs) And then all these voices are in my head and it's like, stop. And I've been successful at everything I've set my mind to before, working hard and educating myself on the job and This was more than I ever, ever thought that it would take me. And I'm used to short form. So the length of time in years, it was really killing me because I felt like my life was passing me by. Did I do this for nothing? Where's my life going? I could have gone into features and doing commercials. What am I doing? Yeah. And... If it wasn't for these people, I'm telling you, like, I would have definitely pulled a plug. Family, friends. And you have to be very focused. You you can't go out. You lose touch with people because you have to focus. You have to completely devote yourself to the task, 110%. It's a very, very lonely process because I'm there, like, at 7 a.m. cutting by myself until 11 o'clock at night. And it's, it's a relationship between you and yourself and the avid. <laughs> and you're getting to know, like, your levels of patience that you never thought you would cross over to that dark side. You know, it gets it's pretty intense. And, and I'm a person with a sense of humor. You know, it was hard to not lose faith. I'm sure, yeah. And other people have said the same thing who have stuck through documentaries through like five, ten years, you have to surround yourself with a community that is supportive and, and a supportive team on the, on the film itself. Exactly. Instead of amplifying problems, they're diffusers. I think that's really something that I learned is the threshold of how patient you can become, but also 
to collaborate and associate yourself with people who are diffusers and then don't create more problems and that really are supportive and and help you grow and are there for you instead of you know bringing you down and I think that's a lesson for life for me like I've definitely changed in this process oh definitely it's what do they say like for the five people you associate with most you're like the average of them I'm totally butchering that saying but do you know what I mean associate with people who like as you said are like problem solvers and better than positive people and better than you exactly so in in this long 10-year process of of making this film how much like discovering were you doing in the storytelling aspect of it and then how much of it had you kind of planned out in the onset like were you discovering the story as as you went or did you have a pretty good idea it's both like I knew what I wanted to do. I knew the pieces that I want to tell. I didn't know exactly how it was going to come together, even though I had a picture in my head, but it wasn't translating yet. And I knew I was going to find stuff, but I never thought I was going to find as much as I did because I took it to, you know, research on steroids. I started with her memoirs that are published in English, and there's 80 pages, and it's small. And as beautiful as they are, they're very flawed. Because if you don't know the history of cinema, and you don't know these people that she's mentioning, she sounds like a woman in a novel that lived this like amazing life, but is it real? And what is going on at that time? So I made a file, Excel file, of every single thing that she mentions in the, in the memoirs, every single name, every single address, every single movie, Every single possible thing that I was like, oh, what's that mean? Or what is that movie? Or who is that person? And I went after every single thing. A lot of people have done pieces on Alice, but they've never gone after the whole. Um, I was interested about the era, and I was interested in her about, you know, the person, the films that she worked on, her relationships. Anybody, any mention, anything that I can find about her. And things started to slowly pop up. I constantly had questions. Who's watching her films? So these were very broad questions, but honing it down, I think, is what took time. Mm. Would you have any, um, just being someone who's made a film about someone who you've never met, who you're kind of like giving a voice to, would you have any advice for another filmmaker who is trying to make a film like this about his, a historical figure who, who is not alive anymore and can't speak for themselves? Uh, do the research. Yeah. You have to do the work because it wouldn't be fair to take on somebody else's life unless you did the work. And I think one of the things that frustrated me in other documentaries is that I would watch these stories, but I wouldn't understand the context, and then I would kind of zone out, or there would be too much information that wasn't relevant to the through line. So my best advice is you have to really spend time collecting as much information as possible and not worry about how it's going to come together, but just collect as much material as possible. And then you start carving the pieces out of how you're going to highlight this person and really highlight the good, the bad, and the ugly as a whole because nobody's perfect but focus on on the story that you want to tell and make sure it's a story make sure it has a beginning middle and end and it's going somewhere it's really a lot of it is in the in the editing as well 
It's like making a sculpture. You know, that's why this stuff takes so long. It takes a long time to decide when you're making something. You can't stop the editing process and the film. Eventually, it kind of takes over and you become one and it tells you what to do. You know, it, it'll re regurgitate something if you try to cut it in because it's not going to work. And I think that a good advice for a filmmaker is if you're sitting there and you're cutting something, I would always have somebody come in who wasn't an editor sit next to me that was a designer or uh, a friend or whatever. And I just said, hey, what do you think about this section? I would just play it. And automatically I would feel uncomfortable when the person was watching it because I can tell that it wasn't working because I could feel yeah. <laughs> the person next to me. And before it was even done, I'm like, you know what? It's not working, so just leave. So then I would go back to it. It's a weird thing, but it works. Isn't that so true when you bring someone else into the room? It's like you see through their eyes in a way, and the answer's are already there. Exactly. I mean, it was funny. Martin Surya was uh, one of the lead art directors in the whole film with the letters and all the graphics, etc. And he's not a cinephile. And as soon as he would sit down next to me within like, 40 seconds I felt like really really uncomfortable and I was like do you understand what's going on he's like no and I was like okay bye <laughs> yeah so that helped me a lot did you grasp at that point why certain sections weren't working or did you just know oh this isn't working I need to go back to like the cutting board and see how I can make this work sometimes I knew sometimes I had to reformat it so I'd have to look at somebody's interview and cut it a different way. Or I'd have to delete the person completely because it just dragged on. Or sometimes that section was really good, but then it would die anyway because when I looked at what came afterwards or before, it wasn't working. Or it was great, but it needed to be moved to a completely different section. Because the movie is like a mosaic. You're following multiple stories, but also the interjecting of where people come in to say what. And I was like, oh, it doesn't work here, but I think it might be interesting if it's over here. Shuffling. Yeah. I read in an, in an interview about this film that some of the best advice someone gave you when you were making this film was to follow your instincts and, and keep going. Can you comment on times where you had to, specific times where you had to follow your instincts and times when you doubted your own instincts? I still doubt it this, because I'm torn. There's a producer in me and there's a director. As a producer, I'm extremely confident. As a director, I'm not at all. So <laughs> the producer's like, yes, this works. You know, this is great. And the other person's like, are you sure? Mm -hmm. But then people that I talked to on the film, I would say, well, this person said, you know, I should take out the travel of the tape. You know, they would say, absolutely not. Do not take it out. And then Walter Murch is somebody that I talked to, and he was fantastic because... I'm sure, yeah. I mean, he's unbelievable. <laughs> Great person to have on yes, board. Yes, because he wasn't trying to make it his own. He wasn't trying to say, this is how you do it. He was trying to take what I was doing and tell me what he liked and what I can continue to develop and what didn't work that could use some more help. But he wasn't trying to say, oh, because I had somebody say to me, get rid of all the detective stuff. Why do you need the tape in there? Get rid of the chase, the tape. Just do Jodie Foster narrating, and then that's it. You don't need Alice and Simone. You don't need all this detective stuff. 
and I would get off the phone or read the email and I would say absolutely not or I would show a card to somebody and they would send me Stanley Kubrick's wall of cards I mean talk about mansplaining and say have you seen this before this is how you break down a movie and then I took a picture from behind me and I said oh you mean like this <laughs> you know? I mean it's just so ridiculous I think what was difficult about the film was that I came from short form and I was trying to make that device work in a world of long form. And the people that I asked advice from were long form editors, but they weren't capable of doing short form. And um, mixing the two worlds and making it work was pretty incredible. And once you just took the scaffolding off, you started to see that it was working. What do you think the distinction is in skill sets between uh, short form and long form? Long form is, the story is like a rubber band. You're stretching it. And the pacing is very different. Short form is you're being able to tell a story with a lot of information in a very short period of time and still engage that's what I did in my day job. Long form is just much more, more breaths, you know, staying on something longer. It's a, it's a pacing issue. I do opening credits for films and I do sequences, prologues in films. And I've worked on the MTV Awards, the Oscars, um, Billboard Awards. I've done the history of soul music, five cities in three minutes. So it's a lot of information in a very short period of time. And I learned a lot on the job with that. You know, this one piece of audio can help move this forward. But cutting trailers, really, too. It's really trailers. When I first came into this business is working with trailer editors because you have a trailer that's two minutes and you got to sell a movie. What are you going to put in there? Mm-hmm. How are you going to convey mm-hmm. what this movie is about or how are you going to cheat? Because a lot of trailers are cheats to get people in the theater. Kind of a bait and switch, Yeah. Did that skill of making trailers come in handy when you were trying to raise money for this film, like on your Kickstarter? Big time. That's really, I think it was one of the first times that somebody saw something like this, even though it was eight minutes long. People loved it. And we were discouraged, like, it's not going to work. It's too long. <laughs> Same thing. But I had picked all the bites. And at the time, I had an editor that I worked with. I didn't edit it myself. But I knew exactly where everything should go, etc. You have to be really connected to the material and you have to have the passion and determination. I was extremely passionate even though I didn't know where all the roads were going to lead. And I think that is the most important thing. Otherwise, don't do it. Thanks so much for listening. This podcast is hosted and produced by me, Jenny Butler. Sky Dylan Robbins is our co-producer. George Itzak is our booking producer. And our original music is by Zach Wright. And Rough Cut is a part of the Video Consortium, which is a creative community of the world's top emerging nonfiction filmmakers and video journalists. We're scattered all around the globe, and we have chapters in New York, LA, San Francisco, Washington, DC, Milan, Paris and with many more to come. If you want to join, 
check us out at videoconsortium.com. And if you want to learn more about Rough Cut, go to roughcutpodcast.com. Visit us on Instagram at roughcutpodcast and go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review, subscribe and rate our show. 